0: And I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, can you just cue up my drum?
1: Welcome to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Harmony.
0: And I'm Maggie.
1: And we're here to take an intersectional, feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you've while you read, but you can't forget? We've got that, too. Comic books, nonfiction, it's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and let's get rebellious about your favorite new reads.
0: Hello, I am Harmony. I'm Maggie. Welcome back to Rebel Girls Book Club, where this week we're going to talk about our 2022 reading goals. Yay! So how do we want to do this? Who wants to start? Do we want to do a goal, a goal, a goal, a goal? Yeah, sure. Do you have a lot of reading goals? I feel like I don't have that many.
1: I have some and I kind of have some action plans for how to accomplish them.
0: Oh, look at you. All right. Well, then I'll let you go first with your first goal then.
1: Okay. So as somebody who's kind of working in the field of education and librarianship, I've become more interested in learning about disability and disability studies. And so one of my reading goals this year is to include more more books about disabled characters and kind of broaden my scope about that but also to kind of look at disability studies as a theory and as a a study I guess (laughs) as an actual educational means and look into some of the more critical theory for that and so I've joined I'm, I'm in the process of joining a disability studies group that I found through an app And yeah, so hopefully that will get started. It looks like it's a lot less reading-based and a lot more video-based, but I feel like that's a good entry level, especially because I don't particularly always enjoy reading Dunn's texts because they're not the most accessible. So we're on our way, and we also have some books containing characters with various disabilities in our lineup for the rest of this season, so that will
0: also Be something hopefully we can incorporate into the podcast. Very nice. I can already tell that your goals are going to be much less selfish than mine are, but that just is what it is. I feel like part of the reason I have less goals this year is because I think in 2020 and 2021, I really reshaped the landscape of my reading to accomplish some long term goals that I had with reading. So, for example, I finally figured out what role my relationship with the library should play in my reading life. Last year, more than a quarter of the books that I read came from the library, which for me was a big win, because it was probably almost zero percent before that. And things of that nature, I figured out where audio and ebooks live in my reading life and things like that. I had a number, which I mean, the numbers are arbitrary, but that I've been going for for a really long time, which felt good. So I think that some of my 2022 goals are more continuations. Like my first one is really just to continue buying less books. On the one hand, I really cut down partially because of the pandemic, to be honest, in 2020 and 2021 on the amount of books that I was purchasing and bringing into my house by a significant chunk. And while I still love owning a large personal library, and I don't think that I'm ever going to change that. I think that being more mindful about which books I'm buying and which books I'm maybe am checking out from the library and things like that can only help me moving forward especially just thinking about book buying and consumerism but then also thinking about the fact that of course I want to support authors and smaller publishers and buying books supports them directly so, I just want to continue to sort of have that in the back of my mind and be more mindful about which books I'm purchasing and which books I'm maybe getting from other avenues.
1: That's a great goal. I almost exclusively buy my books, and unless I'm buying them from our bookshop page for the podcast, I almost exclusively buy them used. So I'm like never supporting authors.
0: <laughs> so good for you. I would say I'm probably 50 50 in like, used bookshops and shopping at like, a, a bigger or like an independent bookstore, or sometimes a, a box bookstore, just depending on essentially where I'm at in Washington at the time that I'm doing my book, <laughs> my book shopping. But I feel like at least with used when I buy used books, I feel less like I'm contributing to the overall consumerism nature of books because they're all secondhand. So yeah, you know, it's all a balancing act.
1: Okay, well, along those lines, I would really like to read some of the books that I bought, because I have so many books that I just never read, especially because I've discovered audiobooks, right? And that is a more accessible means. And it's just easier for when I want to binge a book, but don't feel like I have the time to physically sit down or I want to do something else. So I end up getting a lot of books from my library or Libro FM or Scribd and never reading any of the books. I'm sitting here looking at all of these books on these shelves and I I can't see a single. Oh, nope, there's two. There's two that I've read over here. There are bookshelves over here and there are two books that I've read on that shelf. (laughs) Three. There we go. So that's one of my goals is actually reading some of these books that I
0: purchased. My next goal is exactly the same is to continue to read down my own to be read pile. I have a lot of books that I own and haven't read. And in the past, I've always felt okay with that because of my book collection, about 75% of it is read and another 25% is unread. But even in those parameters, I'm getting to the point with my unread book collection where I do feel a little like, All right, it's time to really prioritize knocking some of these off the list, especially books that I've owned for a really, really long time. I think that I either need to start reading them or unhauling them because there's no reason. I just feel like an unread book sitting on my shelf for eight years. Like, why am I keeping it? If it's not being read.
1: Yeah, that's something we talked a lot about in librarianship, because there's this thing called weeding, which I'm sure Maggie is familiar with because she's in the book world, but I wasn't familiar with at least until I joined the library world. And that's when libraries take books off their shelves. And usually that's because those books aren't getting checked out, or they're not getting checked out and they have false information or maybe some problematic views. They just don't really add to the collection. So that concept is something I think that my book order soul has always pushed up against. But I don't know if I'll actually accomplish it in 2022. But I've been thinking about that more and thinking about the fact that I don't have to lug around all these books, especially the ones that I'm never going to read, right? Because there are a lot of books that are special to me that I've annotated and stuff and that I do want to keep and want to pass down to future generations. But most of these books on these shelves haven't gotten opened beyond a few pages and that's a problem and so maybe I can reget them to better homes well hopefully we'll see
0: <laughs> I feel like there's a weird emotional attachment that I have to my books that makes it a hard thing for me to let go of for example I also kind of fashion I've got a decent closet but for me paring down my clothes is except for certain pieces is like not an emotional task it's easy to get rid of stuff like that I find it easy to get rid of home things that I might not be using anymore you know re-gifting donating etc but for whatever reason even if it's a book that I haven't read and have no reason to have that emotional attachment to I find it really difficult to get rid of books
1: yeah yeah I don't think I've ever gotten rid of a book which is a part of my problem but I hoard everything so
0: (laughs) I can confirm
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's probably a function of moving so much my whole family does that okay what's my next reading goal i have another selfish one i want to read more paper books books physical because as much as i love audiobooks and as much as those are a valid form of reading and even reading books from my computer i've gotten better at doing that And that's easy too, because then if I don't have the physical access to a book, then I at least I've got it somewhere else. I can get it easily. I don't have to wait for shipping. It's not always the same sort of, it doesn't feel as therapeutic sometimes. There's something about holding a physical book that really de-stresses me and helps kind of put me, it's almost like meditation, like helps my mind feel a little bit better. And so I would like to incorporate that more this year and semester when my life
0: gets kind of crazy, because I think it will just be good for my mental health. I feel that I think that part of the reason why I had a hard time connecting with audiobooks and ebooks for a long time was because there is something that feels really therapeutic about just holding a book in one's hands and the way books smell and the way books feel and just that whole experience. And I think it is a balance of reading is good for you, no matter what form you do it. But also there is just I think something there's just something special about taking that time to sit somewhere with a physical book and be like, all right, let's carve out some time that doesn't have to just be slotted in here or there, which I think knowing how your sort of for fun reading has gone <laughs> while you've been in grad school, I'm sure is part of the reasoning for this goal, because I know that you've had to sort of really slot in for fun reading doubling up with other activities and in very strange, (laughs) strange moments in your life where it's like, oh, okay, I can do both of these things at once. Yes. There's something
1: off air that I'll tell you about that's a strange for reading, for fun activity where I do something else, but that has to be off air. So listeners, you don't get to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any other reading goals, Maggie? I do. I have two, I guess, related to all of this and this conversation that we've been having. My goal is to reread more books. I feel like I reread a lot actually, but it's always specifically for the podcast, which is lovely. I love that the podcast gives me a reason to reread books. Often if I'm rereading a book, it's because it was a book that, one of us really, really enjoyed. And it's always a pleasure to be able to go back to that. But I don't often unless I'm looking at it for academic purposes, or for the podcast, I don't often just go back to reread for fun. And I think again, thinking about my book collection, is it worth having so many books if I'm not really going back and rereading them, I often use them for reference. And I do have again, reasons for academic and podcast to keep a lot of these books. But I just want to give myself the freedom to know that even though a million new books come out every single year, and I want to get to a lot of them because I'm excited about so many, it's okay to also hold space to go back and just reread old favorites, or even books that I thought I didn't like, which is something I did last year and was pleasantly surprised by change reactions. So... That's something that I want to be more cognizant of this year is that I want to reread, I think, probably one book a month that has nothing to do with my scholarship or with what we do here.
1: That's a great goal. I feel like I never reread books unless I'm really in need of like, like a certain amount of comfort that comes from it. And usually it's decades later. (laughs) Okay, so you were talking about how you want to have books that aren't necessarily related to work or scholarship of some sort. I actually, because I'm feeling so burnt out, I'm in my second year of grad school, I've made it one of my goals to try and incorporate more books that are related to my career and practice and scholarship. And I guess not just books, articles and stuff too, but that aren't related to work. I will have to kind of do that this year Anyway, because I'm doing various scholarship projects that aren't necessarily directly related to school that I'm not getting credit for. So I'll have to, like, figure out how to do that anyway. But I think that a part of making work and labor exciting for me is if I can find fun in it. And so I would really like I I haven't been in that space for a while where I can get my brain to be like, all right, I like reading this thing that's dense and, you know, not fluffy or related to my mood at all. So in my reading goal, I would like to incorporate more of that in and remember that it's okay to read nonfiction and stuff and it's okay to learn things for fun because I think that will also help me (laughs) power through the rest of this year, (laughs) this school year.
0: That's so funny. I mean, that's a fantastic goal. But I actually was thinking a lot about this because I was thinking to myself, you know, like, do I want to make it a goal to read more nonfiction this year, et cetera, et cetera? I feel like that's one of the only genres that I rarely ever touch. And then I really sat down and thought about it and was like, I genuinely don't often enjoy reading nonfiction. It doesn't matter what it's about. It's just not the best way for me to learn new information. And additionally, my entire job is reading nonfiction and engaging with nonfiction and engaging with scholarship. I'm often reading not only historical texts, but texts on critical race theory and decolonization, just because all of those play into my organization and our goals. And I've just kind of given myself permission to be like, for your fur fun reading time. You don't have to engage with any of that. I mean, thinking critically about the books that I read is, I think, separate from that. But I don't have to force myself to read more nonfiction when I spend 25 of my 40 working hours a week already doing that. But I think that the way that you just framed it is also a wise one. And I think I might have to rethink where I'm coming from a little bit on that. I don't know. But you just gave me some good stuff to think about because I was so just like, just allow yourself to read for fun for fun. And I think that that's still important. But maybe I need to rethink the way I think about the nonfiction reading I do for work.
1: I will say as a caveat for you and also for listeners, I, as a human do not do things I don't want to do. It's just who I am as a person. And I don't believe in denying myself things. I will always take that extra piece of chocolate. I just I don't believe in denial of whatever my desires are. So for me, that's part of where this is coming from. I need to frame it in a different way for myself because I do genuinely enjoy these things I just I don't always have the motivation to get there and I also think there, there's nothing wrong with being like life's too short I don't want to do this thing so I don't have to do it and I don't think people should feel guilty about that this is just something that I genuinely like these topics it just takes more work and more labor for me to engage with them So I need to frame it differently in my mind and remind myself that I do genuinely like this. This is
0: genuinely fun. Fair enough. My last goal is something I've really been striving to do. I mean, for always in my reading career, but I, but that I feel like I've really sort of hit a stride with is reading the majority of books that I read come from authors and are about topics whose life experiences are meaningfully different than my life experiences. So from a wide range of backgrounds, but I feel like one place that I didn't do that super well last year was reading from authors that aren't cisgender. I read, I think maybe like 12 books from authors who don't identify as being cisgender, which Isn't a bad number. But I also think that I read primarily from the same three or four authors. And there's plenty more people out there who don't who are authors and don't identify as being cis. So I think specifically in thinking about that sort of lifelong project that I've got going on. This year, I'd like to really focus on trans authors and non-binary authors and agender authors and just, you know, different gender identities.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I love that. That's a good goal. I want to adopt that goal. I We were just talking about nonfiction and also reading for things that interest you in your career and scholarship. And so separate from that, I also have a goal, which is just to read. Generally, more nonfiction. And that means I think I really enjoyed Rafia Zakaria's Against White Feminism book this year. And that does kind of have to do with my research interests, but it wasn't a book that I would have chosen for any sort of scholarship that I'm doing right now. And I think that because it takes more labor, I tend to stay away from nonfiction books in general. But there are fluffy nonfiction books out there. There are various witchcraft books, and I haven't been able to complete a single to complete something all the way through that was nonfiction outside of this podcast. Except for, I have, I have, that's a lot. that I have been able to complete that, but I haven't been doing it nearly as often. And I do think I kind of enjoy that, even though it's a different, type of satisfaction, right? And it, it does require a different type of labor to read it, a different type of motivation. So I do want to just read a nonfiction book for fun. <laughs> that doesn't have to necessarily do with my work, but might be something I'm just interested in, right?
0: I think that's a great goal too, because I think something that you've talked so much about this season too, about Against White Feminism, is the ways that it unexpectedly did sort of reshape how you think about parts of your work. So I think that that's also... It's like a fun and meaningful reminder that everything that you consume can kind of circle back in unexpected ways in other parts of your life. Obviously not trying to say that everything that you do or consume should inform your work because we're not about that capitalist lie here. But I think especially when you're talking about equity issues and thinking about decolonization and larger aspects of the world, it's cool when those connections can be made, especially when, you're, when you encounter a text that you weren't necessarily aware of or likely to pick up for other reasons. I think that my nonfiction goal needs to be altered in one way, which is that in in thinking about fluffy nonfiction, I have a book on my shelf called The Rise and the Fall of the Dinosaurs. And I wanna read The Rise and the Fall of the Dinosaurs this year.
1: Oh, that sounds so exciting. I wanna hear your synopsis when you're done.
0: (laughs) I will. I I wanna learn about the dinosaurs. I like dinosaurs. Like, let's fucking do it. Yeah, that's fun. See, real life can be fun too. Real life can be fun. I think that I've got one last goal, which wasn't originally on my list, and I'm going to kind of whisper it so that the universe doesn't hear it. But I hope that this year I'm going to be reading more late 18th and 19th century literature because that would mean that I got into the doctoral program that I applied to, which I'm really hoping is going to happen. So we'll see if that occurs. I hope it occurs, but I don't want to say it too loud. Yes, we'll knock on wood. It's a shadow goal. We'll see. I think that's
1: it for me and my reading goals. You know, I just want to find fun in reading again and open myself up to different types of reading because I think in this horrible capitalist society, right, we're all dealing with a resurgence of COVID and Maggie and I were, before we started recording, talking about our various feelings, mostly my feelings. (laughs) About that and about the world in general. It's important to remember that it's so easy to get stuck in this one thing, right? This one thing gives me comfort and joy, but also then we're limiting ourselves. And I think for me, at least, framing these goals in the way that I have, if I actually accomplish them, if I can reframe the way I think about nonfiction, if I can add more physical book reading time, if I can break out of these things, it helps give more meaning to my life generally speaking, right? It seems kind of like, for me, a, a little bit of an act an act of resistance against this capitalism, like you have to be in this routine sort of thing. That wasn't very eloquent.
0: <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though. I feel like reading is all about finding the correct balance between the fact that this is a fun hobby that you can enjoy and that you can find comfort in. But also if you're willing to branch out, it's also a hobby that can teach you so much and open you up to new life and worldviews and experiences. And I think it's always important to be reflecting on the balance between those two things of what do I need right now? What am I equipped for right now? And in moments when you can move away from reading just for comfort It can be really cool to explore new avenues that you haven't necessarily done before.
1: Yeah, and exploration is what it's all about. We're learning new stories and new information. And so for me, I'm hoping that these goals will help make reading and exploring (laughs) reading more fun again, right? It's fine to lose myself in romance novels. That wasn't something I had done for quite a few years prior to 2020. Or 2021, they all kind of meld into the same year for me. <laughs> but now I can, you know, go and look at other things and, and kind of find fun in that too.
0: I think that's all we've got for today. Next week we're talking about One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. So speaking of romance novels, we're we're going on a we're going on a journey in February, reading a bunch of romance novels, which will be a lot of fun. Harmony, do you have anything else to say to the world? Be playful
1: right life is fun it might be dark but find things that make you happy and learn and you know learn even if it feels tiresome because it's still fun it's fun to
0: learn new things it's true all right everybody we'll talk to you next week goodbye all right bye
1: don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher app you can support this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash rgbc and clicking the support this podcast button. Our episode schedule can be found in our show notes or by going to our website, rebelgirlsbook.club and clicking read along with the show. You can follow us at rgbcpod on Instagram at Club on Facebook at Rebel Girls Book one on twitter and you can email us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com our theme song is called pretty boys make me feel ugly and it's by the gays see you soon and remember to read rebelliously Rebel Girls Book Club is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media podcasts.